Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, there's plenty to talk about today again. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday, is going to be a pretty crazy day uh, for me personally because... Well, actually, this I probably would have forgotten to tell you, but the day is going to end with a DNVR Avalanche watch party at the sports column um a great bar if you guys haven't been there uh these avs watch parties are honestly probably my favorite at least so far of the ones we've had the broncos ones are kind of disappointing mostly because ever since i've been here they've been bad i could see those getting some hype i've heard like the nuggets in the playoffs get a lot of attention and get people's emotions all riled up but these avs watch parties at least from my experience are probably the most fun uh, it's it's almost like being at the game because you're with like a group of people who really really cares and typically there's 20 of us 30 of us um, I guess as we get into this part of the season they'll keep growing I, it was in the hundreds for the playoff watch parties uh, but uh, we are having a DNVR avalanche watch party at sports column Wednesday night I really hope to see a lot of you there I'll be there obviously it's going to be a lot of fun um if you RSVP uh, through our website, then you'll be entered to win Avs tickets. They're great seats. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think they're in the suite this time. They might be in the suite. Uh, I promise you they're good tickets. Also, if you RSVP, then your first Christmas ale from Breckenridge Brewery is on us. We'll, we'll buy you a beer. Um, and again, they're so much fun. We hang out. We talk. Uh, and then go crazy when something good happens for the avalanche they're so much fun i hope i get to see a bunch of you there and i'm really happy that i didn't forget to plug this on this podcast okay um more work related for me uh tomorrow wednesday morning is going to be the first time that we get to talk to mel tucker since right after the utah loss uh it's been a few weeks he's been out on the road recruiting um by all accounts, it's gone well. Uh, there's really has there been anything really disappointing? I, I can't think of anybody backing out. Uh, Sam Neuer, who was already on the team, entered the transfer portal, but uh, you know uh, he probably would fit in better somewhere other than at Colorado at this point in his career. You know he he got kind of buried on that depth chart, switched to safety, and. I think the coaching staff probably wants to get younger there. Uh, this is some of the attrition that we were expecting to see in this offseason. Again, nothing 
I have nothing bad at all to say about Sam Neuer. I only talked to him a couple of times, but I had a blast every time. Uh, one of the times was when I was talking to him about, uh, let's see, he lived with uh, Jalen Harris and Mikhail Onu. And Mikhail stayed with uh, Jalen Harris on his official visit uh, this summer before he committed, or when he committed, I guess. I think he even signed while he was in Boulder that weekend. Um, And so obviously uh, Sam was in that house as well because he lived there. And uh, prior to that summer, uh, this was in May, uh, Ronnie Blackman, the returner, was also living in the third bedroom of that three-bedroom duplex, but he moved out, and so they had an open room, and that's where Mikhail stayed while he was in town, and then uh, when he committed and signed and they figured out that he was actually going to need a place to stay, he ended up moving into that room permanently. So he was living there with uh, Jalen and Sam, and sounds like they've all had a lot of fun together. Um I was talking to Sam about that uh, after I'd heard, or after I guess we learned that he was switching to safety, um, and and I wanted to talk to him about what it was like, you know, learning with Mikhail how that works. And this was a couple months into the change. Now that I think of it, this was not a story I planned on telling. So all these details are kind of rushing back at the moment. But uh, yeah, he said Mikhail was really helpful. They had a blast. Sam said that he did a lot of the cooking. It was nothing uh, too crazy. There was some sloppy joes. He made a lot of sloppy joes. He also told he, he told me that his nickname was Chef Noyardee, uh, like Chef Boyardee, but he's Sam Noyer, which I thought and still really think is hilarious. I, I actually had to work not to laugh. It's, it's really bad podcasting to laugh, especially when it's just me. There's nobody like talk over me. I have to hold it in after my own jokes. And I guess this one wasn't mine. There was Sam calling himself Chef Noirdy, or maybe it was somebody else who started that. Um, but again, the couple of conversations I had with Sam were a lot of fun. Uh, also, I'm sharing these details now, like three months after I wrote the story for the DNV or DNVR on the DNVR.com. So if you're a subscriber, I just uh, repeated things that you already knew, which in hindsight is not a great sales technique technique to say that I just bored the people who actually became members but uh you would have heard that story months ago and uh hopefully you guys are becoming members because there's a lot of fun things happening uh including this watch party tomorrow night uh boy are we off to a weird start those are some tangents um what else so tomorrow we get to hear from Mel Tucker Everything seems to be going well. Uh, Sam Neuer's transferring out, but they haven't lost any commitments that I can think of. Uh, I guess Julius Coates, but that was expected. We'd kind of known that that was coming. Um, Again, though, that was kind of a win because the Buffs coaching staff identified him out of uh, a a JUCO first. It was an offer that... Actually, I saw a lot of people saying, what are the Buffs thinking? What is Mel Tucker thinking offering this guy when you look at the tape and see what he's actually done. And and so this offer came early this season, maybe even before the season. And it it was one of the few 
where I've really seen a lot of people fired up. I, I, I don't I don't spend too much time on the forums, but I do check in. Like it's kind of my job to know what's going on, not just within the program, but within the community surrounding the program. And uh, that got people really mad. And that was uh, in the part of this Mel Tucker recruiting cycle when people weren't sold. And, and it's kind of weird to think back of to, to that point right now, but that really was a thing a few months ago. People were saying, I thought I thought Mel Tucker was going to come in here and give us a great recruiting class. This is right in line with the rest. And then he ended up pulling all the big commitments, Christian Gonzalez, Ashad Clayton, um, maybe even more on the way. But uh, And again, they're up against that scholarship limit, that 25 limit. I, I do think that they could find a way to uh, manipulate that if somebody were to come available. And uh, Jason Harris, not Jalen Harris, but Jason Harris, the defensive end who is incredible. He's, this might be an exaggeration, but actually, based on looking at him when I saw him on the sidelines, I thought he was 6'7", 250, 260. And uh, I can't remember what his measurements actually are. I was actually looking at him, uh, that was weird not just looking at him but like scrolling through twitter jason harris pops up i was with rk and rk sees the picture and said you know that's an nfl head right there like you just look at his head and that's an nfl head like he's he's massive he would be one of their top recruits he would give them another little bump in the rankings so so if he actually does sign uh and and he's going to announce his commitment i think it's early january at the All America Bowl for high school players, I there are a lot of these different bowl games in college football, um, <laughs> but but he's going to announce it there. There's a good chance he's already told whichever school he's going to where he's going so that they can account for him. Um, so he could be on the way too. All of these things have made this one of the best recruiting classes, probably the best recruiting class in ten years or so. Um, you know, I, I've only really looked at the Pac-12 era Colorado classes. Um, I'm kind of just expanding my knowledge as far back as I can. Uh, okay, again, this has been a lot of tangents, but this is another important one that I do want to throw out there. Uh, now that I've had just a tiny bit more free time, I finally had a chance to read uh, Brian Howell, the reporter from the Daily Cameras uh, book on Buff's athletics i guess uh it's it's part of that hundred things every fan should do or know or do before he dies series and so this one's like everything or every everything every colorado buffaloes fan should know or do before he he dies um or something very similar like to that um and uh, it's been so much fun to dig through that book i'm learning so many things um and and some of it's not even learning, you know. Just reading through the Ray Carruth story, I I knew what had happened there, but just to get all the details, the reported stuff, I don't know. Just wanted to shout that book out and Brian out because he did a great job on it, and that dropped in September. Uh, worth checking out. 
uh, if, if you guys are looking for something to read. And for me, that's been a great resource. And while I'm also, while I'm reading that book and trying to make sure I patch every hole I possibly can in my buffs knowledge, I'm also trying to like look back and go back through. And now I feel like I have a decent grasp of what's been going on since the team joined the Pac-12. And in that time frame, this is probably the best recruiting class. It's crazy what the narratives were about Mel Tucker's recruiting, um, just a few months ago, uh, Okay, a lot of tangents here. Let's let's kind of sum this all up. So tomorrow, uh, I guess early afternoon, there's a press conference where Mel's going to talk about this class. He's going to talk about a whole bunch of different things. Um, and I actually don't know when the next time we're going to get to talk to him is. Uh, I'm excited to get up there. I'm excited to hear what he has to say uh, and really check in. Um, because it, it's, it's, it's weird. We, you don't get a lot of chances to check in like you do in the season you almost get withdrawals where where you have some idea for a story and you're like oh i need to go ask whoever about this but then all of a sudden after three four months of being able to talk to whoever you need to talk to you just can't anymore um so it's going to be good to uh hear from him uh yeah i think i closed off all of my tangents there we got into some sam neuer stuff i did I am happy we got a chance to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, definitely rooting for him wherever he ends up. Uh, I'm not sure what position he's going to play. I guess he wants to play quarterback. I could see him finding a spot as a quarterback at like the FCS level. Um, very athletic. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see where he falls just because that's going to be kind of a little bit of... Uh, uh, I don't know... Uh, It'll go to show just kind of where Colorado is when you see where their third, fourth string quarterback turns into be a guy who could actually contribute. You know, if if he's dropping down from Alabama or Clemson or one of the powerhouses at this point, uh, then he's probably going to still find a spot where you can compete in the FBS um, or at least start with a, you know, feel like he has a good chance of starting at the FCS level for sure. Um, Colorado isn't quite to that point yet. Obviously not a national powerhouse. Uh, all these transfers are going to be telling. Same thing with Aaron Maddox. You know, he's a starting safety for Colorado. Uh, can he get a starting safety spot at another Pac-12 school? Uh, does he end up dropping down to FCS? All of these transfers are a way to just kind of gauge how, how outsiders evaluate Colorado's talent um okay well that pretty much fills this whole first segment uh which was not really the plan there's a lot to talk about there's going to be even more to talk about in the next couple days and hopefully you guys will be here to uh listen to it um okay uh before we move on I do want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery and as I was saying earlier if you come to the watch party tomorrow night, and this is the important part, you do have to RSVP uh, through our like Eventbrite, which is linked from our website. So if you go to the DNVR website, you can see where, uh, or like how to RSVP. Just say that you're going to be there, and then when you show up, we'll give you your first beer for free. You'll get a Christmas ale, and uh, it's a great beer, and you should come if only for the free beer. Uh, 
I should probably stop plugging that so much. It's seriously going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it always is. And uh, hopefully you guys come out there. Uh, it's also the Breckenridge events calendar at the dnvr.com. Um, another shout out to Breckenridge. Um, seriously, Breckenridge is one of our, my favorite partners. Probably my f- uh, right up there with Blake Street Tavern. Those are the two go-tos, the two that I'm just like glued to at this point. The rest, like I'm in and out, but this stuff is special. Uh you know, if, if if you haven't tried their beers, you seriously have to. Tomorrow night is a great opportunity. They're so good. They're local. And uh, they're like a local success story, too. You know, it's it's not like some niche hipster beer. It's uh, it's like the one that made it. It's like uh, it's like the Phil Lindsay, you know, like or, or the Christian McCaffrey. It's it's like the homegrown, but then it was so good that we couldn't just keep it to ourselves anymore. So now it's in 36 states, and people all over the country are enjoying these beers. They're tweeting at us when they try it, saying, wow, should have done this earlier. And now they're all hooked on it, too, because it is just the best, not only the best beer, but also just the best value uh, for the price. And um, oh, one more partner I love, and I'm going to get into this now. Total Beverage, because with the code DNVR2019, you can uh, get 30% off your purchase. It's uh, serious savings. They're already very well-priced at Total Beverage with locations in Westminster and Thornton. I seriously can't say enough good things about them either. Uh, If you can't make it to our watch party tomorrow night at Sports Column, where uh, you can try beer for free, then you can get some Christmas sale for pretty cheap at Total Bev as well. Plus they deliver code, like I said, DNVR2019. Check it out for sure. Okay. Um, back into sports uh, because that is what we do here. Um, I, 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 I've learned that I really like podcasting at night. Um, and this is like a weird tangent. But uh, I've, I've realized that if I like go through my whole day and get all of my thoughts all aligned all day, then by the time I get to this point when it's uh, starting to get kind of late, I can go hit the gym, grab myself like one last coffee, and uh, shout out StravaCraft, and uh, pour everything I thought about the buffs all day into one podcast. Because I, I've realized that at some points... I, I like try to talk about it during the day and then I have more thoughts afterward and then I forget them before the next podcast or like I write bad notes and it doesn't work. So this way when I'm spending all day thinking about Buffs football and Buffs basketball, it all like formulates in my brain before this point. Uh, so yeah, we're going to roll with this for a while I think. Um, here we go. Uh, in this segment, I mostly want to talk about uh, one thing. And uh, that is Steven Montez. And I know that we're, we're pretty much moving on from him. We're probably going to have a couple more Steven Montez discussions before we uh, get into the draft. Um, the big news today, the reason why it's happening today, is that it was announced that he is going to the Senior Bowl, which is pretty cool. Uh, I think he's one of four quarterbacks who've committed to go into the Senior Bowl now. Um Seriously, could not be happier for Steven because this is such a great opportunity. Uh, there, there are so many postseason bowl games. There's like the Hawaii Bowl. There's a, there's a whole bunch of them. I'm, I'm not, 
I, I'm already not confident in Hawaii Bowl, so I'm not going to give my guesses for the rest of the names. The point is, there's one name that everybody knows, and that is the Senior Bowl. That's the one that uh, Brandon Spano and Ryan Konigsberg and Zach Stevens and Andre Simone all go to every uh, January, I think, in Mobile, Alabama. And they call themselves the Bama Boys, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get invited. But for me personally, Steven Montez being chosen to go to the Senior Bowl means that I have a much better chance of being able to convince somebody to let me go and follow him around and write the stories based on his performances. Uh, so hopefully I'll be out there. I haven't checked what the Buffs basketball schedule is like, and uh, it could be that that limits me. Um Hopefully I go out there, so this is a big win for me personally, too. Um, okay, uh, the the Steven Montez talk, though. And uh, we're going to have a couple more conversations. Uh, we're going to recap how he does at the Senior Bowl, uh, whether he shows out, because that is one of the biggest evaluation tools for NFL scouts and executives. That's uh, where all of the best seniors in the country who are going to the draft are going to be playing football for a week of practice and then a game. And then after that, you get into the combine and pro days, and then it's draft time. Those are really the the key off-season evaluation uh, periods. And uh, that's that's why it's so important for Steven to get that chance. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him go out there. And I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeful for him. I think that that could be an environment where he really excels. Uh you know, I've heard that Steven Montez isn't a great practice quarterback. That's kind of been the narrative. Again, I only got to see the the one open practice this fall. Uh, I do know that that's kind of been the narrative surrounding Steven for the last couple of years, though. So who knows how it's going to go. Outside of that, uh, that one storyline that's kind of followed him it seems like senior bowl practices would be a place where he would really shine that's where he gets to put his arm on display the decision making will not be difficult um a lot of it is let's let's line these guys up one-on-one uh, receivers going to see if he can get open and it's steven's job to hit him if he does there aren't a lot of reading through progressions and there will be like this seven on seven stuff as well but uh compared to a game a lot more of it is simplified and i think that that really does play steven montez's strengths again all of nfl draft media is going to be out in mobile alabama for that full week of practice watching him on the field all of the NFL executives are going to be out there watching him on the field. Uh, I, sh- I should note that Davion Taylor is going to be out there too. And not not just watching Steven Montez, but playing linebacker. And I do want to talk about him just a tiny bit before we get out of this segment. But um, again, for Steven, it's a chance to really show off his arm, to convince NFL executives to honestly kind of fall in love with him. Uh, this is where a lot of... Steven's draft hype came from you know even when he struggled the season particularly with the consistency it it still seemed like he was going to be somebody who was going to get a shot in the NFL just because he had all of the tools and that's what we've been saying that's what the draft scouts have been saying that's uh just been the narrative and I know it's frustrated a lot of people and it's confused a lot of people who've watched him play and say wow this this doesn't look like a guy who's ready to be even a backup in the NFL he doesn't even look like he's really on the trajectory to 
ever have a real role in the NFL just because he can't be consistent. You never know what you're getting from game to game. Sure, his highs look great, but there are way too many lows. And, you know, he, he's lost Colorado a lot of football games. When we're saying that the intangibles are going to get him drafted, it's not going to be because executives are watching through the tape of the season and saying, wow, I think we can do something with this guy. I mean, that's definitely a part of the evaluation process. That's what's probably keeping him out of the day one, day two picks. And who knows, could keep him out of day three, too. He could be an undrafted free agent. But when he gets into these workouts, he is going to look good. When he's throwing to receivers who are working one-on-one, there's a good chance he's going to be hitting them. Uh, It wasn't because we were watching him play saying, hey, look, his arm strength is still good, even if he's way off target. That isn't why we were saying he's going to get drafted. It's it's because we know that the season ends in November and the draft isn't until April. And these, these three, four months in between are where Steven really should shine. And he's going to regain a lot of the ground that he might have lost this season um and that starts in mobile alabama which is a much bigger opportunity than the hawaii bowl or the aloha bowl or whatever they called it where he was supposed to be going before we uh learned today that he had earned the invitation to the senior bowl um really excited to see what he can do there uh again rooting for the guy uh if i were an nfl gm would i draft him I'd, I'd take him probably pretty late, but again, somebody's going to fall in love with him, and it's going to be because he's throwing bombs in these practices. He's going to get a whole week in good weather in, uh, in a new situation, in, in an environment that nobody is used to, and I, I think that that's one of the other knocks that we saw from Steven was that from from his first day as the buff starting quarterback to his last day, there wasn't a significant difference. It didn't seem like he was improving all that much. Um, and, and I'm sure there were improvements that we didn't see. Um, I'm sure that if you threw freshman Steven Montez into, I don't know, that Nebraska game this year, things go differently. And, and he doesn't get quite enough credit as he deserves for for how he's grown but again those those differences between Steven as a freshman Steven as a senior not massive uh by any means I think that that will also play well for him in in this senior bowl where everybody kind of has this fresh start um this knowledge that's been building for all these different players Sure, it's a little bit on display. Jerry Judy's footwork. I guess, no, Jerry Judy won't be there. Uh, whatever senior receiver. I don't need to think through all this right now. Uh, Steven's throwing to, you know, his footwork's going to look better, all that kind of stuff. But but I really think that just neutral environment, uh, decent weather, just go out there and throw a football. That's what Steven is all about. And and just because he hasn't improved all that much, just because he hasn't found the consistency in the college level, doesn't mean that he won't in the NFL. Uh, things could really change uh, for him going forward. You know, the, the whole knock on Steven, at least in, in the forums, and I, and I think... 
I, I think there's a lot of truth to it, is that maybe he wasn't quite as focused on football during his time in Boulder as he should have been. You know, he he wanted to take advantage of his status as the starting quarterback for the Colorado Buffaloes. And who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? You know, if, if you put me in his shoes a few years ago, I'm sure that I would have made a lot of the same decisions that he made. And some of them may not have helped me as a football player as much as they might have made my personal life more fun. That just kind of comes with the territory. Did Steven take it a little bit further than a lot of quarterbacks do? Sure, maybe, but you go back, you can find those pictures of Eli Manning when he was in college, and it's 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 not Peyton Manning, too, all these guys. Nobody's perfect, especially when they're his age. Um, and, and if we're going to knock him for having a little bit of that attitude to him, uh, a little bit more personality to him, not quite just being the football robot uh, that people might want him to be, then you'd have to think that taking him out of Boulder, um, where he's kind of the big man on campus, turning him into a third-string quarterback for, who knows, Tennessee, putting him in Nashville. Maybe Nashville's fun doesn't sound fun. Um, and, and, and making him work for eight, nine, ten hours a day on football could be exactly what he needs. Um, just forcing him to bury his head in the playbook, work in the weight room, go practice twice as much as they practice in college. I, I, I do think that for somebody who comes from the place where Steven was a couple years ago, that is more valuable than for guys who have different personalities. Who, who And I, I don't mean for this to say that Steven Montez wasn't a hard worker, that he didn't care about football, any of that kind of stuff. It was just that, you know, in his free time, he, he had other interests, and, and there's really nothing wrong with that. Uh, but to stick in the NFL, he, he needs to improve, and I think that putting him in a different situation will really help him improve as a quarterback, especially one where he... he is just in football facilities 10 hours a day. He's learning football all day. You know, those are those are the knocks on him. Can he make a second read, a third read? The answer this year was sometimes. When in the past, it was no. Uh, I think that he can take that next step forward. Um, would I bet on it? I don't know. Uh, probably not, just because so few quarterbacks actually do pan out in the NFL, you know, they're what 20 maybe maybe closer to 25 legitimate starting quarterbacks in the NFL like guys who actually deserve to be starters based on how talented they are the odds of any third fourth fifth round draft pick becoming one of those guys those are just pretty slim and Steven Montez is going to be one of those guys I do think that he has just as good of odds as any of those other guys who will be drafted around there um they all have strengths and weaknesses. Steven, Steven's ceiling is absurdly high. Um, I think that we can all agree on that. You know, with the arm strength, with the accuracy that he's flashed, um, his size, his speed, you could see how he could turn into a very complete quarterback in the NFL. Um, but 
you know, he needs to continue to progress. Uh, he needs to be able to make those second reads, the third reads. Um, the good news is he's not going to be forced to play early on, uh, which which I think would really hurt him uh, more than other quarterbacks because he does need more time to develop. Uh, he uh, this this year he he took steps forward in terms of that processing the game, understanding the game, being able to take advantage of what the defense gives him. Again, I'm not saying he was perfect at it, but it was better than it was in years past. A lot of that had to do with uh, him having more time because at least in half of the games, probably the offensive line did well in pass protection. Uh, they had more games than that where they performed well uh, in the running game. Uh, but in terms of pass protection, probably six of the 12, they did a decent job. And in those six, Steven looked better than in the other six, um, at least in general. There are definitely some confusing points in there as well but uh when he had time to step up in the pocket uh really look through his reads just because he was still a little bit slow to process um and that that again just comes with experience comes with time practicing you know when drew Locke was sitting out with a thumb injury for the broncos uh earlier this season he was taking reps with the virtual reality headset on so, so he was looking through the eyes of a quarterback reading defenses and he said that it was really valuable those are the kinds of tools that steven's going to have at his disposal for as much time as he wants them and uh i i i think that he has what it takes to to learn how to improve that processing time so that he can be a real nfl quarterback uh We'll see if it happens, though. Um, again, I, I think that he's still probably a day three guy. Um, fifth round, somebody is going to like him. Who knows, though? There's there's still a ways until the draft, months to go until the draft. Uh, we probably won't spend too much time talking about him here until the Senior Bowl when we do get to see him play on the field um, against top-level competition. Um, and kind of compare him to the other senior quarterbacks who are going to be out there um, because they're going to be throwing footballs right next to each other. Um, again, that's the really the next step in the process. The first step was four years as a starter at Colorado, uh, which is a massive sample size. Here he gets to play in a small sample size, see if he can flash talent when the entire league, I mean, ev every team is going to have half of their scouting team there um, half their front office there minimum. It's a, uh, it's a big one. It's a big one. And it's definitely going to be important having the media out there too. So ho hopefully I'll be there. Uh, we'll see. Depends on how the basketball schedule looks and, uh, whether I can convince Brandon, I'm going to, I'm going to start working on that tomorrow. I think at the watch party. Okay. Uh, I did want to mention Davion Taylor again. Davion's going to be out there. Um, uh, I we haven't talked about him much recently, and I don't have too many new thoughts on him as a draft prospect. But I do want to say that we have been talking about him quite a bit on the DNVR Draft podcast. Hopefully, you guys are listening. Uh, those are all the fun because they aren't just me talking and me saying what I think is interesting or funny or whatever. But uh, 
It's Andre Simone. We have a blast. I think we're taping the next one of those on Thursday, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, like I said yesterday, we'll be digging into uh, the Todd McShay mock draft that he dropped yesterday. Uh, Dre actually texted me tonight uh, his like initial set of notes for that show, everything he wants to talk about. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, we had some great ideas that I'm really excited about. Uh, hopefully some interactive stuff too. Um, but the point is we've been talking about Davion Taylor quite a bit as a guy who could be a great fit in the NFL. Um, as an outside linebacker, like a 4-3 type guy, I, I do think that there's a fit for him. I really think that he is a guy who is going to stand out. Uh, you, you forget that he was also a, a sprinter too, or at least I do. Maybe you guys don't. But, you know, he was an all-pack 12 100-meter sprinter. He's the fastest sprinter in eight years, ten years, something like that, out of the University of Colorado. But also he plays linebacker. You know, you hear stories about that with football players who are dual, or multi-sport athletes and they're fast and they set these records. You know, Tyreek Hill doing that kind of stuff. Or who else? Let's move on. But uh, it's, it's typically the receivers, the cornerbacks, who are setting those types of records, having notable sprint times. For Davion Taylor, he's a 220-something pound linebacker. Uh, he's another one who I'm really excited to see what he can do at the Senior Bowl. Um, he was so excited. I, I, and again, this is what's so great about the actual football season. We get to talk to people. Like I was saying, we get to talk to Mel Tucker for the first time in weeks yesterday. I'm having like withdrawals. I have all these things that I want to ask people, but it's tougher to get through in the offseason. Um but Davion Taylor got his invite during the season, and he was so excited. And I think I've said this on here before, but w when I talked to him about it, it was about a week after he'd already accepted, and, and he was still just lighting up. He was giddy talking about uh, getting the, the the offer to the senior bowl. He was talking about getting pulled out of the weight rooms, being told to go up to the coach's office, getting handed the letter. Um, he, he didn't realize that he actually had to uh, accept the invitation, it wasn't until later on that he was going through Twitter and seeing like accepted from everybody else who was offered that he like panicked and had to figure out how he accepts the offer. But uh, he, he's excited. He has incredibly high upside. He didn't play football in high school because uh, his mother was a seventh day Adventist, I believe. Uh, and, and so you, you aren't allowed to do anything on Friday nights. I don't know a whole bunch about that religion, so I'm not going to make too many guesses, but uh, it, it meant that he couldn't play football until he went to a junior college, and he broke out. He got big-time offers, uh, still pretty raw, and it really wasn't until this year, the very end of his senior season, that he really put everything together. These last three, four, five games... Davion was just incredible. He was blowing up receivers in the backfield, running backs in the backfield, all these screen passes, getting to the edge so much faster than most linebackers can. Pretty much any linebacker in the Pac-12 could. Um, just so impressive to watch, the way he's developed in coverage. And again, talking to him about that, hearing about 
how he's been able to work not only with the linebackers, but also with the safeties and learning the coverage techniques from the cornerbacks coaches. Um, Again, if you're subscribed to DNVR, then you've read this story and I'm kind of repeating myself. And this was one from probably a month or so ago, but he has improved so much. And, and, the most important piece is that he understands why he's improving. It's not like he's saying, you know, it just feels right now. He can point to the techniques that are changing. He can say it's because I'm able to read receivers' hips. They've taught me how to read receivers' hips, um, how to watch films so that when I see their hips, I know what kind of route they're going to run and I can jump on it. That's the kind of stuff that you hear Pro Bowl defensive backs talk about. You know, that's what Chris Harris talks about for the Broncos. Um, it's that that brainy side of the game that a lot of guys don't get that Davion gets. He can explain why he's good at football. He can break things down mentally. And on top of that, he's an incredible physical specimen at 6'2", 225 pounds, something like that, who is also one of the fastest guys in the entire Pac-12 you know, not just in football, but just in terms of all athletics. Uh, it's pretty crazy. And the fact that he's only been playing football for four or five years and is really starting to put things together, it bodes well for his future. I think he's a guy who could really be rising up draft boards. He's a guy I've been hyping up on that draft podcast, which hopefully you guys have been listening to. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do in Mobile as well. Again, those are the two guys who have received invites. Uh, the punter Alex Kinney is going to uh, another one of those bowls. I can't remember which one. I don't think it's the Hawaii Bowl. It might be. There are so many. Uh, I probably should have pulled that up so we can run through it. But uh, I did want to talk about Steven Montez. And uh, I, I think that's important to do that now. Now that we're a few weeks removed from the season, the emotions of losing the Utah game, uh, not earning a bowl appearance, um, kind of die down a little bit. We can process Steve Montez's career as a whole just a little bit easier than uh, immediately after one of his worst performances as a Buffalo. Okay, uh, that went way long. Uh, but before we move along to, uh, I think we have one comment today. It's the off season. I get it, but the more the better. <laughs> really appreciate him. Um, Before we move on to that, though, uh, I want to tell you about Bojo's. Um, I've I've told you about Bojo's once before. I still haven't actually been able to get out there to try their pizza. I've heard it's good um, from people around the office because we all have to do this. Uh, But uh, here's what I can tell you. There's only one place that you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. The Colorado Mountain Pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is, Bojo's is the only answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily, and it contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener, and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. They have large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beers on tap, including Breck Bruce, 
and your favorite sports team playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all your holiday get-togethers or to celebrate birthdays and other large events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations, along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they are always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of their five Front Range locations. They're also offering this holiday season special pint glass koozies that make a great stocking stuffer. And they also come with a $5 gift card. Check out their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S dot com. And tell them that we sent you. Okay, um, we do have one comment, but it's on my phone, and I don't know where I put that. Um, okay, here's a random question while I pull this up. I am planning a uh, bachelor party for one of my friends in Las Vegas, and I spent like hours researching. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, if you guys have any advice for that, leave that in the comment section too, and I would really appreciate it. Or like tweet at me or something. Um, gonna be a lot of fun. No idea what I'm doing planning it though. Okay, here's the comment. B Mixer, the punter will play. Yes, uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. Um, I, I talked about uh, all of the different players, all the different true freshmen who mostly will be signing tomorrow, but I definitely missed one, and it's one who's actually already signed. And he signed at like 3 o'clock this afternoon um, because the way signing day works is that you have like from 8 a.m. in your time zone until midnight in your time zone or maybe it's midnight to midnight i can't really remember what the rules are but the point is it's not based on the time zone of the school you're attending it's uh based on your high school and uh that meant that in australia it was already the 18th at like three o'clock today and that is when the buffs new punter signed uh again another australian there's a good chance that he's going to be the guy day one next year as a true freshman but he's actually already 23 years old um you know it's kind of the same thing with james stefanow the kicker for colorado who is now i think is he 32 is he 31 or 32 um but again came here from australia and uh actually came out of a kicking academy it's interesting how all those work uh, I think it was Adam Munster Tiger of 247 Sports who was telling me um, it might not have been. I like to credit this kind of stuff, but uh, he was explaining how a l it, it isn't very much like the traditional recruiting process for college athletics, where it's you know a college coach calls up one of the players, or maybe a player reaches out first, and they talk, and then they get a whole bunch of offers, and then they kind of narrow it down, and then you have the visits and. You know, the coaches go to their house and they go out to all the different schools and check things out and stay with players. It isn't nearly that personal. Um, a lot of it's actually kind of decided by the kicking academies. And I, I think there are like three big ones in Australia. And that's where everybody who, you know, maybe they're good at kicking the ball in rugby. And so they decide that they want to kick footballs uh, because there's more money they can get a college education out of it. Uh, maybe they play soccer and they just go to one of these academies and just work on kicking. And the coaches will just call up whoever their contact is at the academy and say, hey, 
we're looking for somebody who can kick a football and the guy will just say, okay, here's Josh Watts. You should offer him. And then he goes to Josh Watts and Watts says, sure, there we go. And it isn't nearly as intimate as a lot of these other recruiting situations are. Um, the point is I didn't bring him up yesterday as one of the true freshmen who's going to get playing time in 2020, but I do think he's got to be the favorite for that job. I and mean, he is the favorite and there's a very good chance that he is going to be, uh, the guy. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, with punters, there isn't nearly as much variability, you know, Ashad Clayton, the, top-ranked recruit in Colorado's class, the running back out of Louisiana, who some are calling a top-five running back in high school football in the country. There's a good chance he's going to be in the rotation, but he also could just not be ready because the game changes when you go from high school to college. Is he still able to bulldoze college defenders, Pac-12 defenders, the way he does high school kids in Louisiana? It looks like it on film, and you can measure his strength, but you really don't know for sure. Um, with a puncher, you can kind of see it all on tape. Uh, how far does the ball go? How long does it stay in the air? And can he put it between the numbers and the sideline? If those are all yeses, or I guess those aren't all yes or no questions, but if they were all yes or no questions and they were all yeses, then he's probably just your guy. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good catch, B-Mixer. B-Mixer also says Guy Thomas and the other Juco players will play. Yep, I think I think you'll see a lot of the Juco guys go onto the field immediately. Again, not like true freshmen, but similar because they're new to the program. Um, I think, how many... Maybe we'll, we'll save this for tomorrow, probably, or maybe even after, because there's going to be so much to talk about tomorrow. But uh, I'd love to go through and see which JUCO players played this year and which didn't. Because obviously, uh, you know, guys like Josh Allen saw the field a little bit at linebacker. Um, let's see, I guess Mikhail Onu is a grad transfer. Uh, another grad transfer, Arlington Hambright. Um, it'd be interesting to see exactly which JUCO guys made impacts immediately. Um, Aaron Maddox was out there. But he had some reps. Okay, we'll we'll dig through that in the future. But yeah, I'd guess more than half of the JUCO guys will be out there. I haven't studied them up as much yet. Um, so I don't think Jake Ray will play. Agree. That's that's what I came up with. I do think that he's going to be pretty high on that depth chart at tackle, but he's probably the number four tackle at best likely right around the number five tackles a true freshman I think as a sophomore there's a good chance that he'll play I guess what Frank Philip will be a junior next year senior after same with William Sherman William Sherman's a guy who you could definitely see going to the draft after his junior year if uh, things keep going the way they're trending he has the body he has another year to work with Chris Kapilovic who you know, if, if he had had another year with Arlington Hambright, Arlington Hambright would have been um, uh, uh, probably an early day three prospect um, in the 2021 draft. But he uh, only had the one year, um, isn't quite as developed as I think William Sherman will be. 
at this point next year after his junior year. If he does declare, then I could see Frank Phillip stepping in to fill the gap. He might even go straight to left tackle. Um, or, or I mean Jake Ray, not Frank Phillip. Uh, again, though, he's probably fourth on the depth chart, fifth right around there. Um, likely not enough injuries to... Uh, to see the field as a true freshman, but again, very talented, um, just maybe blocked for next year until he does develop. Um, okay, yeah, let's move along. Uh, do you think the fullback from Creek will play? Uh, is the next sentence in the comment. We're going sentence by sentence to this one. Uh, so who's referring to, uh, what's his name, Jail Stacks. Jail Stacks from Cherry Creek, who originally was committed to Air Force, and I thought that that was actually a great fit for him. Um, Jail's six foot uh, two twenty five. Uh, he's the hundredth ranked running back in the country. He isn't, uh, you know, I mean, six foot two twenty five. He's not breakaway speed guy. He's gonna pound the ball. You know, we talked a little bit about Ashad Clayton, who's sitting at six foot two hundred, kind of being a prototype sort of back a guy who probably could develop into a three down back uh, in the pack 12 but they're probably going to put 10 pounds on him just to fill him out a little bit uh jail stack at 225 probably doesn't need to put much weight on to carry the football in the pack 12 but i do think that they will bulk him up a little bit and let him be a true power runner um if you want to go watch his tape, it's it's uh, pretty impressive. You know, he, he does have some big runs in there, but a lot of it is he's just going to put his head down. He's going to run for seven yards, eight yards every play because he's so much bigger than every other high school football player in Colorado. Um, again, he was going to fill that fullback role for Air Force, and I thought that was a great fit for him. Um, when you think about what, Air Force does, and we haven't talked about this since the Air Force game in September, but it's all the triple option. Uh, quarterback under center, uh, two slot backs lined up, uh, you know, off the hip of the tackles and a step back, um, and then the fullback uh, lines up four or five steps behind the quarterback, directly behind. The triple option starts with one of those run, or slot backs going in motion back behind the quarterback and the fullback is the first option of the triple option. He just runs straight ahead, um, either takes the ball or doesn't take the ball from the quarterback, pounds one of the A gaps and tries to pick up five yards just by putting his head down and running straight ahead. Um, Air Force has those very specific roles where 80% of the time a guy is doing his exact same job and they try to pull guys who are good at that one job and fit him into the system um i thought that that was a great fit for jail stacks putting his head down running straight ahead um i thought he had the body to hold up i thought he had the strength to be successful um but end of november he flipped his commitment from air force to colorado which i really like for Colorado. You know, the the recruiting sites aren't all that high on him. Like I said, 100th ranked running back by 247's composite rankings uh, in the country. But he's just 
so big, so strong. Again, I've, I've made a lot of Broncos analogies today, but if you look at what's happened with them this season in the running game when they have their fullback Andy Janovich versus when they don't, it, it makes a huge difference just having that lead blocker. And that's not something that Colorado really had this year. You know, you could kind of fit Brady Russell into that role if you wanted to, but he, he is still a better fit, even though I talked a lot yesterday about him being kind of a chess piece. He is a better fit as a true tight end than he is at a fullback. Jail's a guy who should be that fullback, that lead blocker when they want to have a lead blocker. Um, I think Mel really wants to turn this into a power offense. I think they want more time in the multiple tight end sets, multiple running back sets where they do have the fullback out there. I think that Jail Stacks is a great fit if that is where this offense is trending. Um, I don't think we've really talked about him at all on this podcast, so I'm going to let myself go a little bit longer than I anticipate on him. Um, if Also looking at the NFL, if you look at kind of what the Ravens do, uh, honestly kind of similar to what the Broncos do, just with a lot more success, a uh, little more versatility with the quarterback just because he is a freak athlete, Lamar Jackson. A lot of what they are doing is that power football lineup, very heavy, uh, two tight ends, three tight ends, two running backs, three running backs, uh, pistol type stuff. I think that that might be what Mel is going to try to emulate. I think that that's what a lot of college football and pro football is going to try to emulate because they've seen the success that it has in the pro game. Um, Again, starts at the trenches, starts with having big, versatile blockers who can also carry the ball, and Jail fits that role. Um, The question is whether he gets run next year and that's a lot tougher I, I I think that he probably could take that number one fullback job um, because they really don't have a fullback right now so I do think that he will be kind of the number one fullback day one. And I hadn't really thought through all this too deeply before today. The question is just going to be whether he is ready. And if he is ready, this offense, I think, will use a fullback. And if it isn't, then it really won't. You'll see maybe Brady Russell lining up there occasionally. Um, that'd be my guess. I'm going to say yes, and this might be kind of a bold take. Um, if you're given straight odds, I'm not sure you should take them, but but I'm going to go with yes. I do think that he plays. I do think that he can kind of be a chess piece in this offense. Um, he might get pushed around. He might not be able to lay the impact blocks. He might not be too much of a threat with the ball in his hands because, again, so much of what he does is based on running defenders over. And he's probably going to need another 10 pounds to do that effectively, consistently in FBS football and Power 5 football. Um, But I think he's going to have at least five of those pounds on by the time the season rolls around in your first games against Colorado State. So it's not like that's too scary. 
Let's go with yes um, and move on to is there one sentence left. What is the one thing you think the Buffs basketball team has to do to improve their offense? Okay, so this is going to be a big twist. We're already running pretty long on this podcast. Again, I thought this was going to be a short one. I feel like this happens every day, though. Um, what is the one thing that needs to happen? Here's what it is. McKinley Wright needs to get back to being himself. He needs to be... A, a real threat to score on every possession. He needs to dictate the pace of the game for both teams. Uh, he has to be their number one threat, and he needs to perform well night in and night out. Right now, we're seeing some inconsistent efforts. You know, I, I thought against Northern Iowa, he took a little step forward. He was very aggressive, trying to get to the rim. And then we kind of lost a little bit of that. Remember going back to the first game of the season when he was hitting the crazy floater, all that kind of stuff? Honestly, that was right up there with his best performances of the season. What this team is missing is somebody who can consistently get a bucket. Somebody who they can go to in key moments. And I know that's weird to say when you have Tyler Bay out there. And even McKinley is somebody who we already think of as that kind of guy. But every team just needs somebody they go to in important moments. Or when you're giving up a 6-0 run and you need to stop it before it becomes a problem. Somebody who can just take the ball, get to the rim. Or if you can't get to the rim, pull up and find something. You know, And, and right now, there's just nobody on this team that really is dictating play in that way. That needs to change. You know, maybe Tyler, I, I'm not sure he's the ball handler, or he's good enough as a ball handler to be that guy consistently. Um, again, as soon as you have one guy getting to the basket, drawing a double team, like early slides, that's when everything opens up. And and I was kind of torn between saying somebody needs to step up and that somebody needs to be McKinley or the thing that needs to happen to fix this offense being more off-ball movement. This this whole team just kind of looping around, setting off-ball screens, cutting hard off of them, getting to the basket that way. You know, Tyler Bay getting some looks at the rim where he doesn't need to dribble the ball, where he's just cutting, catching the ball, dunking, easy shots. You know, that's what it's going to come down to is can they get easy shots? And before any of that passing stuff works, that off-ball cutting stuff works, you just need to to throw that defense off a little bit by drawing early slides, which stems from somebody consistently beating that defense, the defense being scared of somebody. And who they should be scared of is McKinley Wright. Even though he isn't quite the NBA prospect that Tyler is, he's the more valuable college player. Pro- I don't know if... I could say that, you know, he, he was, there, there's a good chance that he has the talent to be a, a, a Pac-12 MVP type. Tyler had the insane start to the season, you know, averaging a whole bunch of blocks, a whole bunch of rebounds, quite a few points. He's doing it efficiently. He added the three-point game, but he's not a point guard, and point guards are just so important, and when you have that combination of a guy with seven-foot a seven-foot wingspan like Tyler Bay, somebody who can be the dunker, and you can get him good looks, that is so valuable. And McKinley Wright, he's he's capable of more than what he's shown. He can get other guys open looks by being aggressive himself, by 
finding success when he's aggressive, by drawing double teams, by forcing teams to slide early when they probably shouldn't, um, in the pick and roll getting both defenders to have to commit to him or at least hedge, just getting these little half-step advantages around the court so that guys can cut off of him or get to the three-point line, get open looks somehow. Um, Right now, everything's just hard. I think it's hard because you're not forcing this defense to overcommit to anybody. You know, it's the same thing with the Buffs offense uh, in football where you have LaVisca Chenault. If you can have two defenders commit to him, then all of a sudden everything else opens up. Um, There wasn't quite enough of that because they weren't forcing the ball to him when he was getting one-on-one matchups. They weren't forcing the other team to double-team him. You know, teams aren't just going to double-team guys because of their reputation. You have to beat them. And until you start beating them because they're, you know, playing straight up and they don't have the talent to match up, you're not going to be able to gain other mismatches. You have to take advantages or take advantage of the mismatches that you already get in a straight up one-on-one across the board scenario. That didn't happen in football because they weren't getting the ball to Visca when he had those favorable matchups when instead of a 50-50 play it would have been a 80-20 play because he's so much more talented than who's defended defending him that that same thing is happening in basketball but it isn't because they're not getting the ball to the guy who has the best matchup it's because nobody's taking advantage nobody is playing like a guy who should be pulling those double teams um McKinley needs to be that guy McKinley definitely needs to be that guy. He's he's their best ball handler by far. The ball should be in his hands 70-80% of the game because he's just that good. And and he should be doing enough with that that the defense is going to force the ball out of his hands, force the rest of the team to beat them 4 on 3 because he's pulled two defenders. Um and then that's when everybody else can start to have the monster knights playing off of him. Um that's what I want to see. Uh, again, the Buffs play, I believe, Prairie View Thursday night in Boulder. I'll be up there, of course. Hopefully, you guys will get out to that one, too. It's the last time you'll get a chance to see the Buffs before they take on number 13, Dayton, in Chicago on Saturday at 4.30. That's a huge game. Obi Toppin is one of the best players in the country. He's going to match up with Tyler Bay. It's going to be incredible to watch those two go back and forth. But... uh you know, they haven't gotten this offense clicking, and if they can't get it clicking before Dayton, I mean, they, they aren't going to win that game. This is a good basketball team. They do a lot of things well. They defend well. I really like how it's built defensively, the identity they're building as a team who can can win close games, can grind it out, can force opposing offenses to be uncomfortable. But uh, that's only enough to beat all but the top 20 teams in the country if they want to start beating teams ranked in the top 10 or you know 13th like Dayton is they need to figure out this offense and you know they should be able to do that against Prairie View Thursday night that's going to be huge uh to see whether they actually can give themselves something to build off of going into Dayton or whether they're going to continue to just back their way through this season and uh I don't know I mean Right now, uh, 
if 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 I were setting the lines, I would put Dayton as five to six point favorites. If Colorado's offense looks like it has all season against uh, Prairie View, I, I could see that line shifting to ten points. You know, that's that's kind of how I feel. But if uh, things start to come together, I could see myself moving it to two or three. That's that's how important I think it is for uh, Colorado to not only beat Prairie View, which will which they'll do. Their defense is too good to lose that game, but but put up big points to cut the turnovers, hold the turnovers to single digits, even though you are having so many possessions, um, you're spending so much time with the ball in your hands. That's what you need. Um, hopefully, it happens. Again, I said yesterday that I'm confident it is going to happen at some point. Um, I'm not confident that it's going to be something where we see them figure it out and then they build off of that. They they continue that throughout the whole season. I think it could be touch and go. You see it for two games. It disappears for a couple games. You hope you see it in the Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament, but there's no guarantee. Hopefully they flip a switch and it just kind of takes off, but... 10 games in it's time to start getting a little bit skeptical even though they are eight and two okay uh that went really long (laughs) really long again uh i'll be back tomorrow of course with another show thursday i'll be with andre simone for the draft podcast breaking down a whole bunch of bowl games this weekend breaking down todd mcshay's mock draft uh talking about steven montez who's going to the senior bowl um some buffs related stuff in there for sure maybe i'll have a chance to speak glowingly of Davion Taylor again which I love doing because he is just so impressive to watch play football um expect that Thursday uh, also Thursday night I'll be in Boulder of course for the Prairie View game um Friday what's Friday I don't know what we're doing Friday another buff spot I guess um also tomorrow night uh you guys are going to be listening to this Wednesday so it'll be tonight to you um we'll be at sports column for the DNVR Avalanche watch party. Always a good time. There will be 20, 30. I haven't heard the RSVP numbers, actually, so these are just guesses. Uh, Avs fans, super excited about the game. If you RSVP on the website, uh, we'll get you a free Christmas ale at SportsCon. Plus, you'll be entered to win tickets uh, to Avs games. I can't remember if they're the sweet tickets. I could probably pull this up, uh, but I'm not going to because... I want to get out of here. Okay. Uh, hopefully I'll see you guys there. If not, I'll see you Thursday night at the CU event center. Leave comments. We'll get to any of your questions on the show. Uh, and I'll be back tomorrow to break down Mel's press conference. I'll see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag is pushing 180. Speed and pad see you later, baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you.
too afraid, uh-huh. cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. you on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle, yeah. and we ain't playing with ya, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring, Green. throwing blows, knocking down team after I team. They like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.